have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Uh, continuing to walk through this idea of foundational faith and what that means. Um, and so make sure uh, as, we, as, we, as we dive into this uh, book of Colossians and continue to look through it to understand that the reason Colossians is so necessary for us today, why it is so relevant to us today is because we live in a world that is out to attack anything that would be biblical or God-honoring. That's the kind of world we live in, but we see those attacks happening all the time. We're going after things that are, that are biblical and God-honoring, and we see that in the context of Colossians as well. There's a concern in this church because there's outside influences that have entered the city of Colossae and they're pushing people further away from God. And, they, and they've done this by either adding to the gospel what should not be there or they are completely ignoring the gospel altogether and just present something all new, something that sounds appealing to those that are seeking hope today. So Epaphras, the founder of the Colossian church, was concerned about these false theologies and these ideologies and the philosophies. And he was concerned that these, these ideas would infiltrate the church. And so he expressed those concerns to Paul. And that's what led Paul to write this letter. And in this letter, we see the biblical foundation for all areas of life. And today, what we're going to read is about the foundational truth of family. What did God design the family to be? How did God design the family to function? See, the purpose of Colossians is to show believers that what it means to have this foundational faith, how, to, how we believe and how we act on that belief, and the foundational faith that we're talking about is extremely important to the family structure. Even today, we see this constant attempt to attack the traditional family. We see this attack on, on what you would call a traditional family today being pushed away. And what we've seen in our culture is this acceptance of families of all types, whether it comes from a single parent home to a blended family or to same-sex couples raising kids. And none of this was in God's design from the beginning. God did not design any of this. God had a specific plan for the family and our sin distorted that plan our sin distorted that plan just like every other design that God had for us our sin has caused us to deal with issues such as divorce adultery abuse some of you have personally have had to deal with this result of sin maybe it was from your parents maybe it was from your spouse at the time, or maybe it was a family member that, that you know has had to deal with this. And so as we preach this message, hear my heart of compassion for you. Hear my heart of compassion for you or, or whoever it is that has dealt with this. It's heartbreaking that families had to go through these difficulties knowing that it's all because of a result of sin. No one should have to experience these dysfunctions that affect the family dynamic. No one should have to make it work to survive or raise a family. 
But sadly, many have to in today's world because sin has infiltrated the family. So it's important for us while we're in this room today to lay the foundational truth of God's design for marriage and family for the sake of our families today, for the sake of our children who will one day, Lord willing, raise their own families. So today we're going to talk about that design. We're going to talk about why we should be obedient to that truth. And what's the result of those who refuse to do so? So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18, and we're going to read to chapter 4, verse 1, thinking about this idea of the foundational family. Let's read, starting in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you praising you for this day that you've given us. God, we thank you for the worship that we've been given this morning. God, we thank you that you allow us this opportunity to worship and now to read your word. And so, God, I pray that you will speak to our hearts, that you would pierce to the vision where only your word can go. God, to the places that only your word can infiltrate. Speak to that now, God, and help us to respond faithfully to that message. I pray all this in your son's holy and righteous name. Amen. So what is the foundational family order? What is Scripture saying about the foundational family order? Let's look at 18 through 21. That's going to kind of be our our foundation that that we'll work upon today. 18 through 21 again says this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So we see these commands in the scriptures that are given to first adults, and whether it's their relationship with one another, a husband and a wife, or the relationship as parents to children, but then we also see a commandment that is given to children as well. Each person in the family has a specific role that you are given from God. Every one of you that are, you are all part of a family, and each of you have a role to play within that family. And because God has given you this role, He created you to fulfill that role. He designed you in a specific way to fulfill those roles that He has given to each of you. So, what is Paul saying here from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? First off, verse 18 Wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, let's be clear on what this is not saying. We can look at what it's saying, but what is it not saying? What it is not saying is this. First, This is not saying that the wife is less than her husband. 
This is not saying that the wife is inferior to her husband. A woman is not inferior to a man. Understand that we are all equal in that we were both created by God, but our purpose and our design is different, and therefore our roles are going to be different. This is the way God designed us. We are equal Not only because God created us all, but because we are all equally sinners in need of the same salvation that is equally given to all, correct? That is, we are all equal with God in that manner. But the wife is called to submit to her own husband alone. Women, you are not to submit to any other man as far as the role of marriage is concerned. You are to submit only to your husband. Now, the world will tell you that this call to submission is wrong, it's demeaning, and this, and, and this feminist movement has played a big role in tearing down families, right? It'll hide under the truth that men and women should be equal. They should be equal in all things. But the real goal behind the feminist movement is simply this. It is to tear down the role of a husband and a man. That is the goal of the feminist movement, is to, is to literally make women greater than the husband. And you see this on TV. Some of you that have grown up with the old TV, right? When you used to only have three channels, you had, to only, you had to go up there and actually turn the knob. Like, those families, what? They had strong male fathers. They had a loving, supportive mother. And they had their roles. And that was what we would consider a traditional family. But nowadays, you watch a TV show with a family on it. If the father is even in it, he's there for comedic relief alone. He gives no value to the show based on what a man has been designed by God to be. This is what society has belittled a man to. And we as men have allowed them to do that. Wives, understand Your husband was created by God to lead the family spiritually. They're to lead you spiritually and they're to lead your kids if God allows you to have kids. So this is a calling to follow that spiritual leadership. Now husbands, because your wives are called to submit, there's a calling on you to lead her. If she is going to submit to your leadership, she needs leadership to follow first off, right? Wives, you don't blindly follow your husband. You don't, okay, Bible says submit, i got to follow everything, right? No, you don't follow everything. You have been given an ability, just as the man, to discern the will of God and what is biblically sound. If you're a believer, you have that ability today. That is a gift from God given to you to understand God's word and his will for your life. And if your husband is not leading you spiritually under the biblical foundation that God has given us, then wives, you have every right not to follow that. If he is not going to lead you spiritually, you have a right to say, husband, this is not spiritual. This is not biblical. Wives, that is your role in this. You have a right to call out your husband. Husband, this ain't right. You have that. Husbands, you need to lead your wife spiritually. If you will lead your wife spiritually, she will be able to submit to you faithfully. Husbands, if you will lead your wife spiritually, 
that she will be able to follow and submit faithfully. Husbands, you've been called by God in verse 19 to love your wives. Love your wives. This love is unconditional, sacrificial, and it's based off a servant's heart. Look, guys, understand your wives are not perfect. Now, you outkicked your coverage. We all did, right, ladies? We all, you know, we, we married up. But our wives are not perfect. And no matter what is going on in our marriage, we as husbands need to love our wives unconditionally, to give to your wife sacrificially and serve her daily. It is that kind of love, husbands, that will help you too when you go through fights and disagreements. It's that kind of love that will help you make the best decision for your future as a family. Because if you love that way, then you're going to lead the best way for her to the best decisions. The Bible also says don't be harsh with her. Husbands, don't be overbearing. Don't be controlling. This will only cause her to resent you and push away and not submit. And understand this, husbands and wives. Before you can raise your kids under the authority of God, you first need your marriage to be under the authority of God. Let me make sure you hear that again. Before you can raise your kids under the authority of God, you must first have your marriage under the authority of God. There's a reason Paul mentions the wives and the husbands first before addressing the relationship between a parent and a child. Your marriage must come before your kids. Now that might sound selfish, but it ain't selfish, it's biblical. Your marriage should come before your kids. Too many times we see divorces come because a husband and a wife grew apart as they were raising their kids. They gave so much time to their children and no time for one another. And parents, if you do this, it, husbands and wives, if you spend more time raising your kids and spending time on your marriage, you're going to have wasted at least 18 years of your life that you could have been investing in your marriage. 18 years. That's a long time not to invest in your marriage. Parents work so hard to raise their kids, but fail to give the same, if not greater, effort toward their own marriage. But understand this truth, and it comes from God's Word. Marriage comes before the kids and will still be there after the kids move out. Your marriage is supposed to be for a whole lifetime, Lord willing. And that marriage started before the kids came. And one day the kids will move out and you'll still be married to that spouse. If we waste 18 years in not investing in that marriage, when it's empty nest time, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Invest in your marriage, husbands. Invest in your marriage, wives. For this is the will of God. This is God's design. Work on it. Fight for it. Let's look on what it means to be a parent and what the role the children play. Look at verse 20 and 21 again. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Children, it's very clear, it's very simple. Obey your parents. Mom and dads are hitting their kids right now. Do you hear your preacher? Obey your parents. 
you must be willing to follow your parents' wishes as long as those wishes honor God. Like children, you, you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have been given discernment as well. If your parents are leading you to do things that are not biblical, it's important for you to say, oh, I can't do that because it's not biblical. But understand too, parents, I know this is going to be a shocker, but your little sweethearts are not perfect. My little sweetheart's not perfect either. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things they're not supposed to do. This is why Paul says in verse 21, do not provoke your children. Don't provoke your children. What is he saying here? Be willing to show mercy when necessary. Be willing to show mercy when necessary. Now while Paul directs this towards fathers, I believe mothers are included in this command. This is more of an inclusive statement that includes both the, 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 the husband and the wife here. Kind of like anytime you see men talking about a collective group, it means the men and the women. That's what it's saying here. The reason we see fathers also is because it's supposed to point us back to God and what God did for us. And that instead of provoking his children, he showed mercy. Parents, be willing to show mercy to your children. And I'm not saying don't discipline your children. I'm not saying don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying don't discipline your children. But I'm saying don't be so overbearing that they resent you one day. Don't spank your kids and forget to tell them that you love them. Like if you have to get on, if you have to discipline your kids, still tell them that you love them. And show them that compassion and mercy. If you, if you yell at the kids all your time and you're never gentle with them at times, that's going to be a problem. Show gentleness when necessary. Show mercy when necessary. There is a definite balance to parenting. And the joy of parenting is figuring it out. And some of you parents are like, I still ain't figured it out. Keep the joy in it, though. The joy is figuring it out every day. There's always something new. But why is there a need to obey this command? This is my second point. We see the foundation of the family, but why should we obey this command? Why should we, wives, why should, why should you submit? Husbands, why should we love and lead our families properly? Children, why should we obey our parents? And why should we as parents show mercy to our kids? Well, look at verse 22 through 24. It says, bond servants obey. In everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of our service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. First thing, we need to obey this family order structure because it's a representation of our relationship with God. Now this is kind of going back to what we've already read so far, but understand that the family order, the structure of it, is a representation of our relationship with God. The order of foundationally building up our families helps us to speak the gospel message. Wives submit to husbands, children obey their parents, as we are all called to submit to God and obey His commands. 
God loves us unconditionally, as should the husband love his wife unconditionally. God loved us sacrificially by giving up his son Jesus so that we could have eternal life. We, husbands, should love our wives sacrificially. Just as a parent should show mercy and compassion to their children, God showed us mercy and compassion. And he was willing to forgive us of our sins through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's mercy and compassion has given us eternal life. And that is a representation we see in the family unit. And we use the family unit to proclaim the gospel. We must be obedient to share this message. And our family order will help us relate to that message. Especially to a world that no longer seeks a biblical family value. But as we are obedient, there's a calling in this set of scripture to be obedient to our heavenly father. We must be obedient to our Heavenly Father. We don't obey to do and do good things for pats on the back. We don't obey and do good so that people will reward us here on earth. We are to be sincere in our hearts to serve God as the bondservant serves his master. And while the bondservant may even seek approval of his master, we do not do things for the approval of man. Look at verse 23 again. It says, whatever you do, you work heartedly as for the Lord. We are not to seek the approval of man, but only that of our heavenly father. We need to obey because our heavenly father has called us to, the, to obey. Give everything you have to serve God faithfully. Serve Him faithfully in your marriage, in your home, in your job, in your hobbies. Whatever it is, as believers, we are called to serve Jesus. The end of verse 24 says what? You are serving the Lord Christ. You are serving the Lord Christ. That is your calling as a believer. And those who are faithful to serve will receive their inheritance as a reward. This comes in glory when we are with our Heavenly Father for the rest of eternity. But first you receive this inheritance. We must first believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and repent of our sins. We must believe in the resurrection of Jesus and repent of our sins. You must turn away from seeking man's approval and run towards God. You must believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross, and took on our sin. He died, buried in a tomb, and now the tomb today is empty, for he has resurrected from the dead to defeat that sin payment. And because of all this, we can now believe and be saved from the destruction of sin and given New life in Jesus. It's because of Jesus we are able to build a family. A foundational faith. Husbands. Do you want to be the man God called you to be for your wife and your kids? You first need to be saved. Wives. Do you want to be the wife to your husband that God's called you to be? And the mother to your children as God called you to be? You must first be saved. You want to raise your kids as they were meant to live? You must be saved. And then in turn, teach your kids that they too need salvation. And show them how we can be saved. Be obedient. Receive the inheritance. We first must be saved. 
And for those who refuse, they will experience God's fair and just judgment. Look at verse 25 in chapter 4, verse 1 as well. Verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Understand, God is going to judge mankind. That day is going to approach. And for those who refuse Jesus, who refuse to surrender to the foundational truth of God's word, they will find themselves facing God's judgment. And this judgment is fair because no one will be given a pass. If you don't believe in Jesus or repent of your sins, the scripture says in verse 25, you will be shown no partiality. There will be no favoritism. See, in this world, you can be shown partiality depending on who you are, who you know, how much money you have, how talented you are. You can be given a pass. When judgment comes from God... He's not going to look at the good things you did. He's not going to look at how popular you were in school or how successful you were at your job, how much money you have in your bank account. God is going to look at you and he will either see Jesus or he's not going to see Jesus. And for those who will, he will not see Jesus in their lives, those who refuse to believe and repent, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. He says this, Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know what's even crazier about the context of this scripture? Is he was speaking to those who thought they were doing right. He was speaking to those who said, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do good things in your name? And he said, I never knew you. I don't recognize you. You know why he doesn't recognize him? Because he doesn't see Jesus. He doesn't see Jesus. See, Jesus is only in the true believer. And if Jesus is not in you, God will say, I never knew you. This judgment is fair because God has clearly laid out the path to salvation and he has commanded us who believe to go out into the world and proclaim it as well. We've been given a task to go out and proclaim it to show this salvation to the world. It is a fair judgment from God. But it's also a just judgment because God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And His ways and thoughts are greater than ours. So God's judgment is the right decision. And people may ask, how can an all-loving God send people to hell? I've heard that thousands of times. How can an all-loving God send people to hell? Because this is our fair and just punishment for being rebellious against our Creator. You understand, even as believers, you deserve to go to hell, right? Like, as believers, you understand that is your fair punishment to go to hell. To spend the rest of eternity suffering. That is your fair punishment. To ask, how can an all-loving God send people to hell? Because He is fair. But praise be to God, this doesn't have to be. The real question we should be asking is, why would God allow a sinner like me into heaven? Why would God allow a sinner like me into heaven? And it's because God loved you so much that he was willing to give up his only son as a sacrifice so that you could be in heaven one day. 
It is because of Jesus Christ that we get to go to heaven. We are not good enough on our own. And so when anybody asks, how can an all-loving God send people to hell? Why would he send anybody to heaven? Who deserves heaven? None of us do. But praise God for his mercy. Amen. Understand, if you have not believed in the resurrection of Jesus and repented of your sin, today you can do that. Today, you can turn your life to Jesus and be saved from this punishment of sin. You can avoid hell. You can be given new life today because salvation is being offered to you through Jesus Christ. Listen, you are not going to earn that salvation on your own merit. You're not going to do enough good deeds in this world to save yourself from hell. But Jesus has already saved you. And all he's asked is you believe in what he did for you and repent of your sin. And all you can do today is say, come forward as I stand here in a moment. And you can say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I believe Jesus did that for me. And I want to repent of my sin. Scripture says if you will do that, you will be saved. Maybe today, here in a moment, when we do our, our, our time of invitation, maybe you simply need to come to this altar and repent of your sin. Maybe even as believers, you have allowed yourself to fall into sin lately. And maybe you just need to come to the altar and seek forgiveness. Maybe you realize today you're not the man you should be for your spouse or your kids. Or maybe you're not the woman you should be for your husband or your kids. And so maybe today you feel the conviction to come forward and just pray for your family. Pray for your spouse. Pray for yourself as you fulfill your role under the biblical foundation. Maybe you would pray, you would come forward... And you would ask God, God, give us direction for my family. I want to lead them, but I don't know the direction to go. Seek God's wisdom in that. Or maybe it's something totally different. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now. Maybe you're going through some difficult moments. Some things are happening in your life. Maybe you simply just need to come to the altar and seek God's comfort and grace. As only He can give. Church, the Lord is here with us today. Lord is here. He is speaking to our hearts. We need to be the men and women and children that God has called us to be because this world is pushing further and further away from it. But in order to do that, we first must be saved and be willing to follow the Lord in all things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father God, we come to you praising you for this day that you've given us. God, we praise you for the order in which you have structured the family under your will. And so God, I pray that we as husbands would follow that order. We would lead our wives. We would love our wives with everything we have because you have loved us with everything you have. God, I pray for the, for the wives in this room that they would submit to their husbands. That, they would, that their husbands would lead them faithfully. And they would be able to submit to that leadership and follow and be there and support. And, and call their husbands out when they're making mistakes, God. God, we pray that we raise up biblical families that serve you. So God, I pray for these kids that are in here and that they would follow their parents wishes, their desires for their lives, God. 
and that these parents would lead their children in the instruction and discipline of you, God. God, we praise you for that. We praise you for the kids that you have given to these families, God. We praise you for the, for the marriages that are in this room, God. Wherever they are in life, I pray today that wherever their marriage is, God, that they would continue to move forward in doing your will. That they wouldn't grow apart, God, but they would draw closer to each other more than ever before. God, I pray we are obedient to your command today. God, if there's anyone here who does not know you, God, who has not given their life to you, who has not been saved, who has not believed and repented of their sins, may today be that day. God, we praise you. We give you the glory in all things. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.